Hello, and you're very welcome to Mind You, where I dive into how different people use different ways to self-care. I'm Brian Barnes from Brian Barnes Wellbeing, where I partner with people to create unique wellbeing solutions. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Danielle Ray. Danielle has a huge passion for serving and minding others through her work as an Emmy-winning journalist, as an author, as a domestic violence counsellor and a narcissistic abuse recovery coach and the host of the Call Them Narcissists podcast. So Danielle, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really honoured to be able to talk about this topic with you. Cool. Thank you so much, Danielle. You're so welcome. And can you start off by telling me a bit about yourself and how you got to here? Yeah, so I come from a background as a broadcaster. I have reported all over California. Um, I'm currently in Los Angeles. And I did a lot of different news stories on domestic violence, um, people that were in abusive relationships. And I also did a lot of interviews with people that are pretty typical narcissists. We're talking anywhere from jailhouse interviews with serial killers who are psychopaths to uh, politicians, CEOs, and the the people that kind of have that more narcissistic personality. And so from that career, I kind of got a sense of the power struggle of trying to interview these people that don't necessarily want to give you the information that you need for your deadline and the tactics that they use to kind of get out of accountability and things like that. So I I was noting that and at the same time seeing the results of um, psychopaths and sociopaths where violence comes in and, and talking to those families. So Around, I think it was 2001 or so, there was this huge case that I was covering, that everybody was covering. It was the Gabby Petito case. I don't know if you remember that, Uh, but it was this uh, cute 21-year-old girl who went with her boyfriend to go live the van life, and they went out in the wilderness, and... And then, um, sadly, he ended up killing her. Um, And the the case got international attention um, as everybody was trying to figure out what happened. And I was um, engaged at that time to what I now know is a psychopath. So I was kind of reporting on that case and looking at my own fiance and I realized oh there's a lot of similarities between Gabby's relationship and my relationship and um, I, I started to realize that narcissism is more prominent than just the the people in prison or or the the CEO that has some kind of crazy agenda And so I removed myself from that relationship 
and I started making videos to kind of warn other people, you know, even if you're um, coming from like a, a successful career or if you, you know, have your stuff together, they can still slip in and you should know the signs of narcissism because I, I was in that sphere reporting and I didn't even know. So, so I, I started making the videos on, on TikTok and on YouTube and they attracted a bunch of attention of people saying, I've had that happen to me too. And, and I felt so isolated and I didn't know the signs of this. And I'm so happy that you brought this to light because I thought that I was crazy for going through this. And so each video kind of started to make a, a community of people that could come together, write their experience in the comments, and then they don't feel so alone and they're more likely to get out of their toxic abusive relationship. So I just never stopped after that and I, and I never will because, you know, raising awareness is is something that's a big passion of mine because if you have the knowledge of what's going on it really takes the power out of the manipulation absolutely absolutely well what a journey danielle and diving deeper into how you mind others as i said you're a domestic violence counselor and a narcissistic abuse recovery coach I suppose there's bigger links between those two, between domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, but focusing on the narcissistic abuse recovery coaching, like when someone comes to you, you know, obviously, as we've talked about earlier, like you're, it's, you know, like you're in a kind of a tailspin because narcissism, you know, with the gaslighting and the, the crazy making, the word salads, you know, like all that lovely stuff. Where do you start off with someone when they come to you? Yes. Yeah, so I, I started doing coaching and it is something that is the same no matter where you're coaching the person from. So at this point, it's remote coaching and I've coached people on six continents out of seven because there's not narcissistic penguins in Antarctica yet, apparently. <laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Uh, I actually have a, a client from Ireland that I'm seeing today, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, but everybody on these different continents, and no matter what country, no matter what state you're from, there's a pattern there because narcissism is a personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And you need nine traits in order to be clinically diagnosed. But even if the person has narcissistic tendencies, they can still totally wreak havoc on the person's life. Yeah. So it starts out with just me asking them um, what's been going on and how can I help you best to get to a healthy spot. And, you know, a lot of people, they're trying to come out of a narcissistic marriage, which is creating a narcissistic injury. So the spouse doesn't want them to go and it creates a lot of conflict. Mm -hmm. Um you know, some people, they have a severe trauma bond, so they're already out of the relationship, but they can't stop thinking about the person or they're more likely to hop back into the relationship. And then other people, the narcissist is their mother-in-law and they can't get away from them or it's their child and they don't know how to interact with them or it could be their parent and 
they've always had this narcissist in their life and now they need to know how to communicate properly. So it's, it's all walks of life that these people can be in. It's very underdiagnosed to the mm-hmm. point that people think it's only 5% of the population. I think it's a lot more than that. And I think that because of how society is now, you're seeing more and more narcissistic tendencies as time goes on. So it really just depends on where that person's at. I see some clients just once because they have one uh, communication issue that they need to address. And I have others that I see on a weekly basis. So it's something that um, I love doing. You see direct results with uh, people that didn't have a lot of hope because the narcissist will really take your hope away from you and make you feel helpless. And a lot of um, therapists are very smart and very well trained, but not particularly trained in this kind of trauma because it's a very, very tailored trauma specific to you and what works on you. So we dive into all of that and and, uh, yeah. Okay, all that lovely stuff. And again, I know what you're saying, like every every person, every every let's say person that comes to you is on a different path of their path or their journey. But I think, you know, like education um, and kind of having that kind of insight and having that knowledge of because narcissists are, you know, like they're they're kind of predictable. You know, it's a very rigid personality disorder. Do you know what I mean? Like, so they're, as you said, like on, on, on the six different continents, they present in the same way. Yeah, exactly. It, it does become predictable when you know what to look for. When yeah. you don't know what to look for, it looks chaotic and like you can never get ahead of it. Yeah. But when you do know what to look for, it becomes quite boring and stale. <laughs> absolutely and again i think that's that that gift that you're given to people who you know as you know like it can be you know like there can be let's say you know that kind of cognitive dissonance where people feel a bit all over the place because they've been kind of gaslit and you know which is kind of you know it's the, the, the narcissist kind of trying to tamper with their reality so like they're not really seeing things clearly so again as you said it's to, when you know what to look for it does get glaringly obvious doesn't it Yeah, that's very true. Gaslighting is real and it's something that can really warp your reality over time, especially, you know, talking to people who have been in relationships just a few months, their reality is warped. Well, then you add in uh, people who have been in relationships with them for 20 years who have had decades of this false sense of what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong. And so it takes a a few sessions in that case to really tell them uh, the, the, the main issue is they'll always ask, well, am I the narcissist? And then the follow up question is, well, can they change? And most of the time the answer is, no, you're not the narcissist. Here's why. No, they cannot change. Here's why. So I think once people get those questions answered, they kind of they see the situation for what it is. And, you know, that golden kind of nugget of, you know, if you're asking, am I the narcissists? That's a good sign because narcissists don't ask themselves, am I the narcissist? Or they don't ask anyone else, am I the narcissist? 
Yeah, exactly. And there is a kind of like, uh, there's a, there's a way you can tell with that even because this word and these terms are so out in the public rhetoric that a narcissist might have seen a YouTube video and thought to themselves, maybe I'm the narcissist. But the difference is the narcissist will look at it as a superpower. They'll they'll have this kind of like pride, like, oh, yeah, I'm a narcissist. Yeah. I don't have envy. Like, They're different. Or, or, they feel different. They're I'm kind yeah, of better. Exactly. I'm, I'm better than people. It's a superpower. I don't have empathy. Like, Or they'll laugh about it. A, a person who's empathic, who thinks they're a narcissist, is horrified, on the other hand. They're like, I need to fix this. What do I do? I don't want to be like this. So even just the difference in how they respond to that term can tell you a lot. Absolutely. And do you find, Danielle, again, I know everyone's on a different path, of their path, but let's say, you know, like some of the solutions to, to to people being with narcissists, like you know, like do you find people are you know, let's say, choosing to leave the narcissist or to stay and adapt? It's very difficult to stay and adapt. It's not impossible, but you basically have to put your feelings on the back burner and become a robot. Um, most people they really want to get out because they kind of start to realize after coaching that this is not a healthy relationship. This person can't make any long-term changes and doesn't want to. So a lot of times people will at least attempt to get out. It does take an average of seven to 10 times to get out of an abusive relationship just because of the manipulation and the lies that they tell and the, the love bombing, you know, it makes it extremely difficult. But I would say most people want to get to a place where they can remove themselves from the toxic situation to have a chance at a healthy life. Absolutely. And again, with that knowledge and with that kind of information that you're able to see things a lot more clearly. And I suppose the next question, Danielle, is let's say, you know, leaving the narcissists, I suppose if there's no kids, that can be you know, like, I suppose, somewhat straightforward. But if you have children with a narcissist, you're talking about that kind of co-parenting. They talk now about parallel parenting. How have you seen that pan out? Yeah, it is a lot easier if you can just go no contact, get out of that relationship, block them on all platforms so that you never have to talk to them again. If you have children, you can't do that. You have to go into a, a gray rock which is basically just becoming boring, not being vulnerable to them, not divulging personal information, not pushing the conversation forward, and just answering in one sentence or one word, like pick up the children Wednesday at 5 p.m. That's it. And when they start to hoot and holler and, and belittle you, uh, you just do not respond to that whatsoever. But these are the Unfortunately, the tactics that you have to take with a person whose instincts is to hurt you, and it does make it way harder to romantically disengage from this person when you have to interact with them because they're so hot and cold and unpredictable that they'll try to get you back into their web one week and then hate you the next week, and it makes it extremely confusing. So the gray rock 
is a way to keep them at arm's length while still raising your children together. Yeah, and I suppose again, you know, just try. You're, 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 you know, you're keeping it kind of very short and sweet. And I suppose, you know, like minimal interaction, and that's just, I suppose, that's just kind of keeping you safe. And it's keeping, you know, like yeah, you're, you're being civil in front of your kids, but it's just, you know, like having the least amount of contact possible. Yeah, exactly. That's that's really all you can do, especially when emotions are high with a narcissist it's very risky for people like I don't think people realize how how much damage a narcissist can actually do to your reputation and and even physically there's a level of danger there that you have to be aware of and so you just treat them like you would a stranger at the grocery store or you know somebody who's serving you at a restaurant just uh, oh, you know, thanks for dropping off the kids. Good to see you. Bye. Like, just totally casual conversation. You don't have to be mean. You can be polite about it, but not not interacting with this person on an emotional level anymore and not giving into their bait of wanting you to react because that that's the hardest part is they'll just, they'll say that zinger that really gets you. And it makes people want to blow up and explode. Well, that's what the narcissist wants. They want you to explode and have all this conflict because they thrive in a chaotic, dramatic environment. The only way to, quote unquote, win against this person who's trying to do that for the rest of your life because you have kids and that's a lifelong duty is to not engage whatsoever. That's what they can't stand. That's what makes them feel insignificant when they throw out the bait and you just don't even react because you don't care. Or at least you can present like you don't care. Absolutely. Um, There's a term I love in, in relation to that, indifference. It's to become indifferent. Yeah, exactly. You're totally indifferent. And again, if they say something to you that really hurts you, you're not a robot. It's going to impact you. You just don't outwardly show the narcissist that it's impacting you. You just let it bounce right off of you or you, you block them or you don't reply to the text. You hang up the phone and then you can go and rant to your friends, tell your therapist, write it in your journal, do everything that you need to do to release that. But for your own mental health and survival with this person, you have to just not react in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that gets easier with time, you know, like at the start, that kind of feel because you've been so reactive with this person for so long. And they say, you know, you're kind of almost, you know, like you're, you're doing a dance with this person for however long you're with them. And it's a chaotic dance. So, you know, it, it takes practice, but it does get easier. And Danielle, coming back to something you mentioned there about narcissistic injury, when you leave a narcissist, the, the old smear campaign. Now, I've heard some of some pretty horrible smear campaigns. What kind of advice do you give to people about that? Because that, that's, we're talking about your reputation, which is, you know, golden to most, to most people. So what, what do you share with your clients about a smear campaign? Yeah, absolutely. So the smear campaign, if you're breaking up with a narcissist, is almost inevitable. Even if they broke up with you, even if they're the perpetrator, they're the cheater, whatever it is, the smear campaign, just knowing that it's going to come 
is a lot of power. And then I always tell people, for the people who just believe whatever the narcissist says, their friends or casual acquaintances, they're already gone anyway. They're yeah. going to believe whatever they want to believe. But if there are people close to you that really matter that they start to say lies to, you pull that person aside and you just tell them, hey, it, it, hey it's been brought to my attention that ex-narcissist said this, that, or the other about me. I just want you to know that that is absolutely not true. That, Or if it is something that's true, then you say that's something that did happen, but I've been working on it in therapy and through self-help books and fill in the blank. Um, your opinion of me means a lot to me. And so I wanted you to hear it directly from me. And I would be happy to answer any questions that you have moving forward. But this was not true. This was something that was a lie. And I just wanted you to know that. So you tell the person directly that, you know, without you, you don't even have to, you know, say anything bad about the narcissist necessarily. You just tell them what you heard isn't true and come to me if you have any questions. And that kind of gives that person a hint that the narcissist is the unreliable narrator you're the one being authentic and straightforward and coming directly to them. So they're less likely to believe any sort of lies that come in the future. Yeah. Now I, I, lo I love the saying, Danielle, tough times reveal true friends. So I suppose, you know, like people that know you and whatever they hear from, you know, like the narcissist or anybody else, you know, they're going to maybe come, to, hopefully come to you with that and say, look, I heard this. But have you come across, let's say, and I've come across this, you know, like there's a smear campaign and some friends or family that you had trusted and that you would have bet a million dollars that they'd be on your side. They kind of disappear. They go off your radar. And I suppose, you know, the, the, I suppose the kind of the almost the struggle then is kind of like, well, do I go to that? Do I, should I have to go to that person? Like, you know, like, or like, is their judge, is their judging of me or believe, believing of me enough to kind of say, right, they weren't the person I thought they were. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get that. I think that a lot of people, when this kind of thing happens, they don't know what to do and they shut down and their natural instinct is to go silent because they don't want to get in the middle. They don't yeah. like conflict. And it's hard for people who haven't been in narcissistic relationships to really understand what's going on, understand the smear campaign, because they haven't been in it. So how could they possibly understand what's going on, right? Yeah. So I, I tell people, even if somebody does go silent and that person means a lot to you, it's important to reach out to them anyway, because you really don't know what's going on in their head. You don't know if they've sided with the narcissist. And if you have questions about where their loyalty lies, well, ask them about it yeah. through direct communication and see what they say and see if they tell you, oh, I, I believe the lies that the narcissist said, actually. I think that you are that kind of person. Well, that tells you a lot. Okay, this person, <laughs> this person is not my friend. But if they say, you know, I, I was just waiting for you to hash it out or for you to come to me, then that's a salvageable friendship. Yeah. 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 Look, I, I suppose it, it's kind of like walking steady on unsteady ground, isn't it? Like, and, you know, like the, the whole kind of ground is 
can be unsteady from having been with the narcissist and then trying to figure out, you know, the best way to kind of exit. And, you know, again, you know, there, there, there's so much to take on board, but thank you so much for sharing that with me. And again, just, you know, like that knowledge is power, isn't it? Like knowledge and information are so powerful. Yeah, knowledge when it comes to narcissistically abusive relationships takes you very far and very far away from them once you know what to look for. Absolutely. Well, Danielle, thank you for sharing that with me and, you know, just sharing the, the, the tools you have in your toolkit and, you know, like how it's helping so many people. And can you tell me now how you mind you? Yeah, so I am a big advocate of walking getting out and walking, getting that vitamin D, clearing your head. I walk two to five miles a day and um, oftentimes record my videos as I'm doing it. Uh, (laughs) But I walk. I love doing Pilates. I have my own uh, counselor that I see. And then, you know, hanging out with friends who have known you for a long time. Uh, my family lives close by, I see them all the time. And, and then on top of that, just, I, I love passive learning. So I'll throw on an audio book. I'll watch a documentary. I'll watch three documentaries in one, one night um, or a podcast or anything that I can do to, to learn more and kind of just, kind of just have me time while at the same time, learning new things is something that I love to do. Absolutely. And as we all know, you cannot pour from an empty cup. So it's all about that kind of self-care and kind of healing and looking after yourself from the inside out. Exactly. That's very true. Cool. Well, Danielle, thank you for sharing that with me. Where can people find you? Um, I am on YouTube at Danielle Raiden MMJ and I have a podcast on Spotify called them Narcissists. Cool. Well look I will put a link to those amazing resources onto this podcast. And I can tell everyone like again like your videos I was telling you earlier on Danielle they're brilliant. Like and I have you know spent hundreds of hours researching narcissism and you know the effects of it for you know for different reasons but your take on it like again it's just so down to earth uh, it's so matter of fact it's so practical but it's also really funny and again like i, I love those videos that you're doing you're obviously walking out and about and you know it's just kind of you know you're able to inject a, a bit of humor which is really what's needed in in kind of you know this kind of arena because you know dealing with narcissists you know like it's you know it's it's tough going to me like and it can it can be you know it can be a very kind of difficult kind of time in your life so i love that injection of fun and humor and just that kind of you know just that practical and that kind of down-to-earth way you do it so thank you so much for doing that and again i encourage everybody to go check out danielle's videos and the podcast call them narcissists and again there's so much resources there and so much really good information so danielle again thank you so much for sharing with me your your journey to hear how you mind others and all the you know all the great ways that you help so many people and how you mind you and best of luck with everything that you do in the future Thank you so much. I really appreciate you bringing awareness to this topic and it was great to talk to you. Cool. Thanks, Danielle. Thank you. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to Mind You and I hope you've learned about the benefits of holistic self-care. Please like, subscribe and follow Mind You Podcast wherever you listen to it. And please share it so we can keep the ripple effect of holistic self-care going out to the world. You can find me and Mind You at Brian Barnes Wellbeing.